part two of the Odyssey of Ben and Ur. But Ben, do you want to introduce, I guess, you want to introduce Irv? I guess. <laughs> you have no uh, idea who he is. I have, have no, no idea, idea what his work is like. <laughs> I, he's a ceramicist. Um, I guess he makes functional Not even objects. a little bit. No? Close. No. But no, not even. No. Not even close. Okay. No. He was Cammy's he was boss at one point? Yeah, he okay. was. Yeah, he was my boss. And then the tables turned and I was his boss. Whoa. <laughs> Talk about started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> You're on this podcast, I guess, too. So, <laughs> oh man. Um, well, Ben, maybe we can have you on like at some point again in a couple months or something, and do like a grad school checkup. Yeah. Like, actually, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are applying to grad school. Actually, I can come on. I can read all the rejection letters yeah. <laughs> you can do it you can have like instead of ad breaks you you take a break in the podcast <laughs> and then it's just me reading like benjamin sikirsky we regret to inform you that we accept you into our program this year we had a high quality we had, applicants we had an extremely high turnout for applicants this year and unfortunately we had to choose other artists <laughs> well, please don't apply again <laughs> <laughs> you can apply next year but you don't have to We'd rather, you don't have to you know you don't like super passive aggressive you know what we were thinking and <laughs> you don't need to do grad school it's like a form letter but someone like really comes in and was like hey listen ben we just wanted hey. to let you know that you shouldn't apply again p.s <laughs> don't apply again <laughs> okay i can't i can't wait to hear the rejection letters let's actually record one okay at some yeah. point uh, we would like even the UCLA one came... that i got right before the pandemic oh bummer <laughs> it was like the weekend before Oof. oh yeah you oh, really man. dodged what a, a year. bullet though 2020 yeah you didn't want to be there right now no, no. absolutely it worked out yeah totally okay. <laughs> okay well ben thanks so much um I'm thanks so for glad. sharing your kiln with yeah us. thanks for sharing about the franken kiln good luck yeah. don't don't burn anything down and don't, uh, don't electrocute yourself yeah yeah both of no those promises. things <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. i was gonna be reassuring i was gonna be like like don't worry i got it under control there's a there's a fire extinguisher next to it but you know Live and let die. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so sweet. Well, the, here he is, Herb Tepper. <laughs> uh, Gus, tell me, tell me your worst studio visit ever. Uh. My worst one was when I was in grad school and I was studying ceramics and I, but I showed nothing but paintings and it was like right before my like last midterms maybe, or maybe the semester before that. And my advisor came and didn't say anything for like 10 minutes while she just wandered around. And then the, the first thing she said was, I think it's such a novel idea that you think you can become a painter. <laughs> <laughs> and then that was essentially the end of Did it. Did she walk out? Was that uh, it? No, I think it kept going a little bit after that. She oh. said she said she thought it was a novel idea that I thought I could become a painter. I know. Where was school was this? Alfred. Uh, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, my worst studio visit was with our next guest, Irv Tepper. <laughs> <laughs> Irv uh, came to Cranbrook. I think it was like 1997. For yeah. For, oh, wow. You were there. Do you forever. remember this? I remember. I remember meeting you. You remember being there. Yeah. Do you I, remember. She had blonde day? hair. Yeah. No. You maybe. did. It yeah. was dark. Wait. And so, Irv, so I had this commission that I was working on that was like way beyond my skill level, way beyond. Yeah. And Irv came in and was like looking at what I was doing. It was, I had to take these drawings by a check. Czechoslovak, Czechoslovakian artist and turn them into a tea set. Uh -huh. And so, and it was measured and 
you know, it looked like Memphis. Everything was like, had to be perfect. And I, you know, had barely made a mold and I was like, so screwed. Um, and Irv came in and looked at it and was like, you should really take my class. And I was like, fuck you. I can do this. I can fucking do this. And then it turned out I couldn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then I thought he was right. I really, yeah. once I met you, I realized like, oh, he was so right. I should have taken his class. And, you had, yeah. At Pratt. Yeah. Pratt, I was at Pratt. But you had the best studio. I remember the studio. You had the, yeah. you had the windows, I think. Yeah, you had windows and... Yeah, you had the cool studio. And a door. I think you had a door on yeah. your studio. I worked really hard for yeah, that. I remember. <laughs> I was there for a week. I lived in the women's dorm. Oh, yeah. What were you doing out there? Just that, being a visiting I, artist? He, uh, the guy who was, um, was uh, in charge of... The, I guess they were called visiting artists. They weren't called uh, yeah. faculty or anything. I got invited. Uh, Tony... Uh, um, Hepburn. Hepburn. Yeah, Tony Hepburn invited me, and I came out. I flew to Detroit, and... and uh, uh, they put me in this dorm, and then he kept taking me out to drink, and I don't really drink, so it's like. It was every lunch, year. every dinner was uh, going out to drink. <laughs> <laughs> basically, that's exactly probably how it was. Yeah, and uh, everybody had like, a, I, I, get, I was supposed to give a week of critiques, and then he took me around the school. No, I had a good time actually. Cami, I think, it was one of the last critiques actually. Yeah, he was. You were probably like yeah. over it by then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's about February, about this time of the year, I think it was. Yeah, we. I mean, that's a great time to be in Michigan, you know. You know, snow everywhere. Yeah. Once, once that I did start working with you because we were together at Pratt. Once I did start working with you, I realized like you kind of know a lot about ceramics, you know, in a way that like. You don't really brag about it, but you sort of just are really confident in that you know everything, which is what I really like <laughs> about you. Well, we had pretty rigorous study. What did you, where did, you started like really young, right? No, I, I started my last semester in high school. That's really That's young. That's pretty young, yeah. And, and uh, but I was a, I was an athlete. And, uh, but I, had st I was actually into music really early, you know, and I studied music. And uh, uh, I had a neighbor next door, and the neighbor next door's father was in the jukebox business. Oh, cool. <laughs> and he had a car that was this, it looked just like the St. Louis Police Department's car, which in those days was all black, and he had a siren in that car. Cool. And he would uh, play it for us. Like, and my parents, when they bought that house, when these people bought the house next door, they were furious because I didn't realize I didn't know the word mafia or gangster. What? But it was a musical family that had been in all. And my grandmother's got married, and her and this woman's grandparents, or her parents, paid for my grandmother's wedding. It's a famous musical family, but they were in the jukebox business. They were in the quote-unquote jukebox. And so all these records, so they had his. He would get this kid would get all these. 45s plus all his all his family were all famous musicians like you know orchestra musicians from New York and oh, cool. and uh, Alfred uh, Flasher the piano player was a son-in-law and the, it was a big musical fan we used to listen to all these because well most of the wait the in Saint, wait, in St Louis in St Louis or outside of in St Louis no in, no they they were they they had fa family members that were living now in New York and okay. Chicago and Symphony and yeah and um, so he would bring, we get all the reject records that had been in the jukebox, and almost at all the jukeboxes were in black bars in St. Louis. So that's why I started hearing a lot of rhythm and blues music, a lot of jazz records. And would they give you the records too? No, no. The kid next You'd... door had him. We played, and he was a he played music, and we got into a band, and eventually he passed away. But then, and young, he passed away young. And I was, I was a football player, and then at the, my last semester in high school, I had to take all these classes. And as a football player, you were able to take the sixth hour of school, which was the last hour of school. You were able to take uh, uh, advanced boy sports, no matter what sport you're in, you, you had the hour you went to gym. But okay. I had finished playing football. I thought, I don't need to, to uh, do that anymore. And uh, I, had, I had done all my credits for high school, and I thought, Oh, my ha my uh, family house is a half a block away. Why don't they just leave at two o'clock? 
you know, why do I need to do the last semester, you know. So I go to turn in the registration card and the uh, advisor said, oh, no, you can't, you have to take a class. You, oh, you yeah. have to fill your schedule, you have to take a class. And I thought, what the hell do I take? And uh, I ran into one of my football player buddies. He says, take ceramics, it's an easy C. <laughs> That's really funny. I thought you were going to say that you walked by the ceramics studio no. and you looked in the window and there was like a super pretty girl. <laughs> no, no. You were like, That's no. were you funny. into it right away then? I, once I saw that the um, teacher the, throw on the wheel, that was it. <laughs> once, I, once I saw the, him throwing, and he wasn't actually that good a thrower in retrospect, yeah. but the fact that he could do it at all. You know, and I had never seen it. I thought, my God. The first time you watch someone raise the walls is like I a know. pretty. That's how I yeah. got into ceramics, too. Yeah. And so that cooked me. So I was determined to learn that. And so um, the sixth hour was the, the ceramics. And then I'd stay after school. This guy was sort of like a beatnik. And he knew um, he was from Wisconsin. And he had, one of his friends uh, was Clayton Bailey. And Clayton Bailey was came to St. Louis to teach at the Y. He just graduated graduate school. So the two of them would hang out and then they'd do crazy things like drive around in a convertible all night and shoot, uh, you know, those things you throw on the ground and they explode? Yeah. They put them in slingshots and shoot them at stop signs. (laughs) And I went around with them. Oh, this is the life. This is the (laughs) life to leave, leave, work with clay, go around, have a good time. And that's what it was. It was, but the wheel was the, once I saw the wheel, it was like determined to know that wheel. And then, so, I, but I didn't know how to draw. I couldn't draw and I didn't know anything else. So you weren't like going to be an artist forever. You were going to be like a football player. Well, I was going to be playing football. Like, I wasn't going to be a, I mean, I was going to go into something else, you know, whatever. Well, you know, my uncle a, had a drugstore. So I grew up in a drugstore. Pharmacology, yeah. quote unquote, <laughs> pharmacology. We were supposed, we were supposed, to, we were supposed to be, uh, you know, my, my mother had, my, my brother had gone to pharmacy school before he went to medical school. And then, so I was kind of, you know, you know you're next. Yeah. You know? But then you went to Kansas City Art Institute. No, at first I went to schools in St. Louis to learn how to draw. Oh. I went to a, a class, I took a couple of classes at a junior college and I took a, a ceramics class with my high school teacher who was teaching at Webster College, which was a woman's, a Catholic woman's college. Yeah. That was the first year that it decided to um, bring together men and women, be co-ed. Okay. And uh, so I, I was, I, I took a class there, but I couldn't find a bathroom. I had to go down to the gas station. Like, <laughs> <laughs> block away. Uh, <laughs> that's really anyway, so th- cool. D- but during, during, yes. uh, yeah, during Thanksgiving, <laughs> Uh, an old friend from high school was going to the Kansas City Artists and she came to visit and she told me how cool it was. <laughs> and then, uh, so I applied and uh, took the train to Kansas City where you had to be interviewed. And I got interviewed by um, three people. One of them was Ken Ferguson. And all the work I had brought with me on the train <coughs> was all this kind of work that was like really inspired by Clayton Bailey and all these kind of like funky things, and which Ferguson at the time was a straight potter and that's all he wanted to see was pottery. And he just, he rejected me. Whoa. He rejected, I got a, a no vote from him. But then it turned out that there, there are two other people on the panel. One was a sculptor and the other one was this, uh, this Mexican, American Mexican architect from Kansas who was a, actually well known in Kansas City who, um, who decided, oh, this guy, anybody drags this much junk on a train <laughs> deserves a shot at this school. Wow. So they had a petition to get me in. And then when I got in, I got in as a second semester freshman and went through that. They had a foundation program. You just take foundation. And all semester they have opening, they have opening, they had a gallery and they had openings at the gallery. And Ken Ferguson would come with his wife and he always come up to me and says, I think you should take sculpture. I think you should major in sculpture. Oh, <laughs> wow. He didn't want you in the he didn't ceramics. Want me, he didn't want me in the ceramics Who thing at all. Who was the other ceramics professor at the time? Uh, Ken Ferguson. It was but, just Ken Ferguson? Yeah, that was uh, Ken Ferguson. <clears throat> was the first year that the department became a department. It was part of sculpture. Oh, okay. And Ferguson had that, between my freshman year and sophomore year, had turned and had been able to make a, a separate department. Okay. And they gave him an old carriage house of a building, and that was going to be the ceramic department. 
and we had uh, it was like a several floor carriage house and um, I mean really funky we had to build everything we built our shelves yeah we built the kilns and we only had three ounces of gas pressure and so that's one of the reasons I got to know a lot is because we had we built it all. You just had to figure it out. We, yeah, and we had to figure out how to make a three ounces of pressure in a 40, 50 cubic foot kiln go to cone 10. And that was so a big can, trick. How I much do understand. you need? How yeah. much gas pressure do you need? We actually don't need much. But, yeah. but that's a, people think like it's like turning on the stove. The higher you put the gas, the higher temperature it's going to go. But it's not true. You have to draft it. It's it's the amount of how fast the heat goes through the kiln that determines the rise of the heat. That's that's why. I so love, I learned all I that stuff, <laughs> which served me really well, actually. Yeah. And uh, we built a, we built a salt kiln. We built a bunch of raccoon kilns. We built a bunch of uh, high temperature kilns. So during that three years of studying with Ferguson, and then the last year. Victor Babu came. Okay, yeah, yeah that's what I was But did Ferguson ever turn around and like you? Oh, yeah. At the first semester, it, was, it went like this. So, sophomore, you had a sophomore studio, and every, they were all kick wheels, and they had to learn how to throw on the kick wheel. Yeah. And um, so I was, you know, my parents didn't want me to go to art school, and, uh, and I was determined to make it happen. So, I would stay in the studio until like two in the morning. And I, by the end of the first semester, I was out throwing all my classmates and most of the juniors. And um, so Ferguson, the grade time came just before Christmas. Ferguson says, Tepper, I'm giving you a B. You deserve an A. But if I give you an A, you'll go to your head. (laughs) (laughs) And that'll be... Oh, that's so terrible. (laughs) But if if you continue to work... If you continue to work as hard as you have been, I will give you an A next semester. So despite the B, I'm still on the dean's list. <laughs> so that was like, anyway. So then Ferguson came around, and then I and I came around to. It was sort of like you know we both kind of met in the middle. I, I started, you know, he got me to love pots, and I threw pots, and that's you know. Then by my senior year, by the time I got to my senior year, is when I decided like you know maybe I should like branch out. You know, my, my hero in high school, uh, I, would take a, I had a Russian literature class before the ceramic class. In the Russian literature class, I would get the ceramic magazines from the teacher, and I would look at them during the Russian literature class while the teacher was giving her lecture. I would look at them and see Peter Volkus. Yeah. I'd oh, see, I saw all these, like, you know, like the Natzlers and all these dumbass pots you know, <laughs> I mean you know they're potters but they weren't great you know a Toshiko Takiezu whoa you know, watch it Irv. Yeah. Well, no I liked her thing I liked yeah. that thing that you could throw the uh, little put the little hole in the, the end, but oh I, my <laughs> god but no, and I, no I really liked Toshiko of all the people of all the magazines yeah I got Toshiko and then but Pete Peter Volkus on the wheel throwing 100 pounds of clay that was pretty cool. Shirtless. Pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, pretty impressive. So Peter Volkus kind of became my hero. So when I, he was uh, guiding, and then Ferguson had been at, um, Ferguson had been, after, had followed Pete Volkus at um, Archie Bray Foundation. Yeah. So they were friends. Yeah. And I think um, uh, Jim McKinnell was just before Ferguson. We're, did you know about like Rudy Audio at that time too? I, I met Rudy at Pete's studio years later. Yeah. Okay. I knew about Rudy, and uh, did I meet Rudy at Kansas City? No, I, I, but no, I didn't. Re- but I met a lot of other. Ferguson uh, brought a lot of people. Uh, Paul Solner was one of the first visitors okay. to Kansas City his yeah. apartment, and <laughs> and uh, like Warren McKenzie. <laughs> Warren McKenzie came and. Um, um, got to see his style, that British style of throwing. Yeah. Oh, what, what, what women were there? <laughs> you know, it's interesting because in, in, in those years, most of the people in ceramics around the country were men. Yeah. They were men. And I, there was one really great ceramicist that was a student. When I was a student, her name was Barbara Miller. And Miller was unbelievable. She weighed, must have weighed about 80 pounds. And she could throw these incredible shapes. I mean, huge shapes and really good at it. And by the time you were a senior at Kansas City, you owned your own wheel. You bought your own wheel and you, and you had your own wheel. That's what such a burden. Wheel? I know. What, what wheel did you buy? I had a Randall wheel. 
Oh, nice. Oh, I wow. love Aranda Wheel. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And I, then I sold it to a, a woman taking night school classes at Kansas City, this old woman who taught us China paint. Yeah. She taught us how to China paint and work with low temperature clays. Oh, I'm nice. trying to learn Because she was a that. hobbyist. Did you ever have a Lockerbie wheel? Those are my favorites. No. That's my favorite. No. Yeah. We, we have one at school. We have Lockerbie skits. We have one. Yeah. We have a few at school. But I said, but the Randall, I mean, I, the Randall, I had an electric uh, Randall wheel. I had the wheel, yeah. the Randall with a. Those are. Uh, the with best, a, a yeah. sewing machine. Yeah, those are the best. Uh, not yeah. a sewing machine, a washing machine motor that Yeah. you started to kick it and then you got it started and then you pressed the button. And yeah. It, and it would speed up the wheel. Uh, it was great. I loved it because it was a real natural way of throwing. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to these kind of rheostatted wheels you have now where they stay at constant speed. Yeah. I, I much prefer if you're going to make pots. Yeah. To throw them on a, uh, on a, on a type Randall. And I sold it and then that woman kept it for until she passed away and she was yeah. like 60 something at the time yeah. and I got a call just like two years the reason I'm talking about that is because a couple of years ago I got a call from a woman who was her granddaughter hmm. who had my wheel wow how'd she find you she just she she, I, I, she found me through she was got she got interested in ceramics and heard about me and she asked about if I knew her grandmother her grandmother and but she didn't know I I was the guy who sold her grandmother the wheel Oh. oh, cool! So I said, "The wheel you're throwing on is my was my wheel. I bought it from I ordered it from Alfred." Oh, funny! It was yeah. You had to get you had to, he made them yeah. ten at a time. Ted yeah. Randall made them. Ten when I was there, they that. were like getting rid of the, all the Randall yeah. wheels, and so they were just. Um, I wish I had one. Decommission. Yeah, I want yeah. And so like the oh, stairwells were just I think I know where full. one might be. Oh, maybe we'll see. Yeah. The Y has them. Yeah, the 92nd Street Y still about half they have of them. Like are. A room of them. Yeah, yeah. it's really. It, I think it really uh, was uh, the other thing about it had a drop. It had a drop. Uh, you could drop a piece of plaster into the. Yeah. It had a drop. What a, a drop head. Do you and know? You could, and you could just drop it in and keep throwing. You could yeah. just keep throwing. Bobby Silverman throws all his pots on. That, on a Randall wheel, yeah. yeah, with that same like bucket head, yeah. plaster bat, yeah, cool. yeah. So I mean, I, Bobby was a Kansas City guy, yeah, but he came later, much later. But like, were John and Andrea Gill were they? Around John and John Gill was my student in Seattle when oh. I was in graduate school. Wait, wait, let's go back before you go into graduate school. So, did you ever? You went to California. Where did I, you go? I went to I was so I was at Kansas City last year. I started making sculpture. And I applied to uh, three schools. I applied to uh, uh, to Berkeley because that's where Pete was. And I applied to uh, um, University of California Davis because that's where Robert Arneson was, and that was hot at the moment. Sure, yeah. At that moment, they were very hot. And uh, I applied to Seattle because I had seen um, a, a little catalog of the decal work of Howard Kotler. And I had never seen anything like that before. That this there wasn't weird. anything like it. Right, totally bizarre stuff. And I thought, oh, Did this could see, be interesting. Have you seen so, work? Yeah, so I, I, I thought. I mean, groundbreaking. Seattle, and it also had uh, um, Fred Bauer was teaching there, and Fred Bauer was a really, really good potter. Had had. Um, was it the the University of Washington? University of Washington, okay. Seattle. So I flew. I, you know, we had Christmas sales, and I saved my money, and I took. The, you could fly half price. As a student, I think in those days. Nice. So I flew to I, came, I, went to, <laughs> I went to California, and I realized, and I met Pete Volkus, and uh, you know Pete was really Pete is really an, was an incredible guy, really and very friendly and very outgoing. But the place was like you know he didn't get up till four in the afternoon, yeah. and uh, it was like you it's not you don't studying with Pete, you're hanging out with Pete, and it, it was just too much. And Berkeley was like a hotbed of all kinds of pol politics and. Um, social change and it was a crazy but place to be. But it was like be. in the 60s, right? Like in 60 the 60s. Yeah, this is like, I, I, I got out of Kansas City in 69. Perfect timing. So do you think of yourself as a hippie? No, I'm, well, I mean, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't, I think of my, well, I, I definitely uh, was on that side. I, I couldn't say I was a full-blown hippie because I was going to school and I had a job later. And oh, right. I, you okay. know, like when, I, when I think of hippies, I'm, I'm thinking, so I, and I identified with their, the thinking and, the, and a lot of the music, but I was mostly into black music, so it was, a, you know. Uh, the thing about the hip, it, when, I, when I think about hippies, I'm thinking about people who, Went out and dropped out one and started communes, yeah. yeah. And who are, are people who are just like 
dropping out. Really you know? out there? Yeah, so I was sort of like in that camp, and I was like still in school, and I, then I got a job, and then I... Oh, right. So I, I couldn't... I, I, yeah, I guess I was a hippie, but not a full-blown, what I would call... Right. Okay. But and the politics were totally into the politics, you know, of course, of you know, person of my generation. I mean, it was the perfect timing. Yeah, it was perfect. But then, so I went from Berkeley, rejected that place, went to Davis, and it looked too much like Kansas to me. Uh-oh. I thought I'm not going here. Uh-oh. And uh, I was offered a, a scholarship at Rhode Island School of Design, and at uh, I was recruited like a football player. Actually, Wisconsin recruited me. I drove up to Wisconsin, saw that, and I went. Which was a good place, but I thought, get out of the Midwest and out of this cold, man. <laughs> and I identified with all the art on the West Coast. So uh, when I got to Seattle, it was the most exotic place I'd ever seen in my life. So I thought, this is the place to be. And then I had to convince Howard, because when I got to Seattle to show my work on slides, I saw Fred Bauer immediately, because I had met him in, in Michigan a couple of years earlier when I went to see the Potter Hamada. And um, <laughs> we're just like, you're just going to drop that. <laughs> like, what was that? Oh, man, that was a trip. Uh, we, um, you know, we would, Ferguson was, uh, you know. Wait, where did you see a hamada at? In, 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 uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. okay. So Ferguson was like, we got to go see hamada. He was totally into what it was. He was like, you know, like, uh, this is happening here. Yeah. Uh, is coming to the United States. He's going to be up in uh Ann Arbor, let's go up there. So all of us got into a car. Ferguson and, and the sculptor, uh, uh, Dale Eldred, went by themselves. I don't know if they flew yeah. or however they got there. They're like, we got to get but one of the students, students had a car, <laughs> and we got in the car. We drove all night. We got up in the morning. We got to, in the morning, Sunday morning. We got to see. We got to uh, Chicago. We hung out, and they were. We hung out in Chicago all day, and then we drove on to Ann Arbor, where I had a. I knew somebody from St. Louis who was there, a woman who used to uh, teach at Washington University, and her and her husband was uh, her her husband's sister was went to high school with me. So anyway, we stayed at her house. We all camped out on the floor of her apartment. She was teaching English at at the university, and we saw Hamada and uh, two days of watching Hamada throw on the wheel. And Hamada had all these. It was great. He had a kick wheel. Talk about kick wheels. He was on a kick wheel. He sat on top of the kick wheel, on a, on a pillow on top of the kick wheel. And he had his kimono on, and he had a big old lump of clay that was really soft clay, and he was throwing off the hump. And John Stevenson, oh. who was the teacher, was a professor at the University of Michigan, was kicking the wheel really slow. It's kind of like kicking the wheel, and then humming to make a bowl, and then he cut it off. and some wealthy woman from Detroit, you know, like the vice president's wife of Ford Motor Company, sure, yeah. they had already bought it. It's just like, yeah. it's like anything this guy touched, he had already sold. But so wait, uh, so there's a guy just like... So Hamid is sitting on the tabletop. Yeah. On the tabletop. Yeah. Like with his leg. Cross leg. Yeah, cross leg. With like a, leaning like that, leaning over. Yeah. And then there's a guy sitting on the... The other side kicking the wheel. That's such an intimate... <laughs> Kicking it really slow. Yeah. But in Japan, that's how they do it. That's the, how they do the it. Yeah. Sitting wheels, face to face. But though? there's some. No, not the, sometimes they have a. The old days, like they, yeah. had, they had these wheels that stick. work on a stick, which yeah. they could never figure out. Yeah. And then they had sometimes they had people would kick the wheel or run something that would move the wheel. Yeah. Before the electric wheel, then yeah. the electric wheel. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's so crazy. Yeah. They so the in when I saw um, flywheels were like buried in the ground. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's right, but this and one was was moving. Them. So the flywheels were buried in the ground. There's like a belt or something. Yeah, like this yeah. would be the wheel yeah. head would be right yeah. here. The wheels didn't stop either. They yeah. just kept they just, going the same. Right. Because like, yeah. then yeah. they just like pick it up. So you can't throw really, uh, you know, with that kind of wheel, you can't really throw really large things. Yeah. And you can't, it's like the Randall, you can't really throw huge things to the Randall wheel either. But uh, it was a perfect kind of, it's like silent slows down, you're working slow. Uh, Hamada worked on, with really soft clay and he made a lot of tea bowls and stuff like that. And never got one 
drop of water or clay on his clothing. <laughs> it's just like this, me. Yeah, yeah, me too. This guy, I thought, wow, that was impressive. <laughs> and of course, he's every time he makes something, he's, it's already sold before yeah. it's even fired or anything. And uh, you know, I, I can see the I can see the, the the businessman in his mind working. Okay, I get all this money. I'll go to my bank in San Francisco, and then, <laughs> then we'll get it to Japan. Oh, wow. <laughs> Wait, was a uh, was Bernard Leach with him? No, no, no. Okay. Bernard Leach was still alive. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, that was a totally different style of throwing. Yeah. But anyway, it was interesting to watch Hamada and and and. Uh, he was making kind of simple things, but just to be in his presence was a trip. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, then we drove back to, to Kansas, Kansas City. But then, then we saw, like, you know, like uh, uh, I went and saw Michael Cardew, same kind of thing. We, he was up in Iowa. We drove up to Iowa. Yeah. And we watched Michael Cardew, which was a direct student of Bernard Leach. Yeah. And Card uh, Cardew wore a tweed jacket. <laughs> and, and he was, Did he have a pipe? Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. <laughs> Between Michael, jacket with elbow pads? Just yeah. about. Yeah. But, but Michael Cardew was, uh, he must have been close to either in the, in the 60s or almost 70. I was like 20, 21 at the time. And we stayed, and Ferguson had arranged for us, to, the students, to stay at Jim McKinnell, who was the teacher there, and Nan McKinnell at their home. And so we, and they had a party for uh, uh uh, Michael Cardew after the uh, there was a lecture and then it was a party and then at that party the guy stood up the entire night drinking and talking to anybody and by two in the morning I was ready to pass out and this guy was still going <laughs> this guy was out there man and the next One day of the bad he, boys of ceramics. the next day he threw on the wheel and they, and they had that that that, that wheel that was um, sort of the uh, wheel that the British used that uh, um, a treadle the Bernard Leach. It's a treadle wheel. A I, I standing treadle wheel. Yeah, no, you sit on it. But I, I, I had, a, I, I, I threw on a treadle wheel too. I've, I've never understood how you can do that. They're yeah, so you could do it. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, you can. Yeah, it. it's, it's not so the coolest. But for those guys, for those guys, it's a wood. It's actually a nice piece of furniture. The, the Leach wheel. Yeah. And um, when they, when he would do it, he would just take his uh, jacket and kind of roll it up, <laughs> and then he'd say things like. Now I'm going to throw a, a one-quart pitcher. And you're like, oh, you, got, you know what size it is already? Yeah. And then he throw this one-quart pitcher. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. It's such a no funny idea to just, like, drive hours you know, Now I'm going to make a two-quart bottle. And yeah. then he'd make a bottle. Then he had this device that he could make a screw top. Oh, whoa. Yeah. You know, so it was a totally different kind of style of throwing. Yeah. And got to see that. And I also saw, uh, and I, see, I saw other leech. Students Warren McKenzie. Yeah, he showed up at Kansas City with his wheel too. Um, have That's you cool. have you read that book that came out not too long ago by Jenny Sorkin called Live Form? No. That because that one and Cammy and I are in a book club that I've never been to. That I read haven't it. been either. Okay, we've never <laughs> been to it, but uh, but it goes through and it um, it ends up just like talking about a lot of the women that were working sort of at the same time, but were like kind of in their own oh in ceramics like outside of that bubble yeah but because that's uh like i went to a school that i went to the university of montana that rudy audio uh -huh. you know i taught at um and then but beth, you weren't you weren't a student of rudy's no i was a student of beth lowe's uh -huh. um yeah i started like a little after yeah i think he passed away like right around uh -huh. when I started. rudy was an interesting guy yeah but i you know i was like really in that like tradition of you know like the pete volkis rudy audio archie yeah. bray thing and so like so much of the stuff in this live form book was just stuff i had never heard of well um, it, was a, it was a real mod you know if you look at the history of ceramics in the united states i mean when you look when you go at the post-war america uh, what really uh, Pete Volkis just kind of broke with so many boundaries yeah. that you he couldn't be avoided. Yeah. And uh, and and then you started hearing about what he was doing out in California, and then he you know in L.A. and then he went to Berkeley, and no, he was a force to deal with, even though there were still you know like some interesting potters, but you know but they yeah. 
weren't anywhere in the, in the area of like Peter Volkus and what happened at the Bray Foundation just attracted all those guys from Japan too. Yeah. So it was a real earth-shaking kind of a de deal. I think yeah. that's how I felt when June Kaneko, when I was a student in June Kaneko was yeah, Kane like yeah. the biggest thing that yeah. ever happened since Peter Volkus. Well, so if you had a guy, like, a, a yeah. guy like yeah. Peter Volkus. June Kaneko was like... Yeah. So you know, we talk about the, the women in ceramics. I mean, yeah. Peter Volkus was so macho. Yeah. And it was such a macho scene behind that. That I that I, I can't see anybody flourishing in uh, under that kind of like gaze. Although there were a number of women potters. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, one that I went to school that I thought was as good as they get, Barbara Miller, and who later dropped out. And, and so then, how did it be? How was it to work with Howard Kotler? So, so I went to all these places, and I brought my pots, pictures of my pots to Seattle. And I saw Fred Bauer, and he said, oh, these look great. Um, show them to Howard. To, you know, This was like January, you're applying for... You have yeah. like a month to apply. Yeah, whatever. right. And so then I, I see Howard Collar in the building, and he drives up in a, in a Pontiac GTO. And I thought, well, that's just not the car of a ceramic person. <laughs> <laughs> like and a muscle car. Yeah. Perfect. And he had a leather rising. jacket on. And he was in uh, cowboy boots. And he had these plates. And he kept going. We had all these 18-inch kilns all around this, the, the uh, kiln room. It must have been 20 kilns. And Howard would go around putting his plates in. And he says, Fred says, go, go show your pieces to Howard. Yeah. So I say, uh, I, I go up to Howard Collar and I said, I'd like to show you my work. I'm, and he said, and by this point, I had, no, I had no idea what I was going to get dealing with Howard Collar. He was a, no one's ever, ever, I've ever met anybody like Howard Collar, ever. And all of a sudden, all these graduate students come out of their studio and they're standing behind Howard. And I'm thinking, this is really, I thought, oh, they want to see my work, you know. <laughs> So I show, I give Howard a sheet of slides and it's all these pots and Howard says, he looks at me and he talks really loud and he says, where are you from? <laughs> and I said, oh, I, I'm a student of Kansas City. I'm in my senior year at Kansas City. He says, I'm sorry, I don't speak Japanese. Oh. And then he turns to the graduate students and he says, do you speak Japanese? And then he hands us, he says, sorry, I don't speak Japanese and handed the slides back to me. Wow. <laughs> Wait, what was he? Were you just like imitating Japanese pots or what was he? Well, I was, you know, we were. I, I mean, everybody yeah, was. Yeah, but, yeah. If you're That's a potter, I mean, yeah. I mean, who was making the coolest pots? I mean, yeah. not, certainly not the British. How <laughs> sick, <laughs> sick burn. Sick Howard Collar burn. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I had a pretty big That's indoctrination awesome. into, into Asian art because I. You know, I went to school right next to the to uh, the Nelson Atkins Museum, and yeah. the director who had bought all that Chinese work was still alive. And you could go visit him as a student. Yeah, Doctor Sickman, you could talk to him about anything, and he'd take you to the basement and show you the work. Yeah, and um, you know, F Ferguson was totally into the Japanese thing, and was uh, you know, I mean, everybody was. It uh, wasn't like it was unavoidable. I mean, basically, the only person that wasn't was Howard Kotler. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? That's like, true. That's about, yeah. that's about, yeah. Howard Kotler was into what he called palaceware. Palaceware. What's Palaceware. Palaceware was work that was only unique, one of a kind things that were like put in palaces, not like something you would eat off on your table. Oh, okay. Not this kind like of utilitarian, everybody gets to yeah. enjoy the okay. aesthetic of it. It's only for special, yeah. high, you know, high ceramics. So he called it Palaceware. Yeah. And he also, he was an expert on the, on the uh, medieval ceramicist uh, uh, Bernard Palissy. Okay. So I, I never heard of Bernard Palissy until I met Howard Collar. Yeah. And um, so, we, you know, we got exposed to that end of it. And by that point, I was already moving to sculpture. Okay. But I didn't have any slides. All I had was the pottery slides. Yeah. So then I was like, you know, like, you know, I mean, demoralized. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. So Sorry. I, I love, like, when people hurt your feelings. So I had to go up. I had to go up so to, I had to go up the hill. The, the ceramic department was in the bottom of this hill, and then you had to climb this big hill to go to the art department to see advisors. And it's raining Seattle weather, you know, it's yeah. raining all the time. 
and I'm walking up the thing. I'm really depressed. I'm walking up. I was going to see the advisor. And then Howard pulled in right in front and he had his car in front. He was getting his mail. So I thought he was looking at his mail in the car. So I knocked on the window of his car. I said, can I talk to you? And he, and, oh and my we, God, we that's sat, so brave. I sat next to Howard and Howard says, well, who do you like? So I started talking about Pete Focus and I started talking about, you know. Were you like aware of Ken Price at the time? I knew Ken, yeah. I knew the eggs. That's because okay. that, he, he made the eggs. I thought that time he didn't make anything other than that up yeah. to that point. And uh, I knew about Nagel. Yeah. I knew about um, uh, the things around Pete, you know, Rudy and, and all the people around w- Pete. Was it pretty messed up that Ken Price was painting ceramics? Like, was that seen as a really... Didn't bother me a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But he wasn't painting... I think when I was a student, I don't think Price was all that active. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he was active... During that time, I was a student. Yeah. And then I, he had a few years where I don't think anything happened. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so he was sort of like not in the mix. Okay. Gotcha. When I was in graduate school. Yeah. And the guys that were really making, were happening were the funk guys. Yeah. The guys, Arneson and that people around Arneson. Yeah. And, um, and Pete was, uh, you know, that, that people were moving to that bright colored yeah. sculpture humorous kind of ceramics and i was too i mean yeah. I was totally did that seem like it. a reaction against people people yeah it was and yeah. in a what and 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 bob you know bob was a trip was terrific with clay but i never personally i didn't i never uh we we, we would talk and we'd get along and we'd go to openings and, you know we but we were never i, I never um Thought he was that warm a human being. Yeah. And but uh, his students loved him. Yeah. I never had that that feeling about him, and 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 I think he, his ego was really wrapped up in this thing. And yeah. Whereas Pete, it's obvious. I mean, you look at back at the work, and it's yeah. all just him. But, <laughs> but um, at the time, you know, he had making other things too. Yeah. But Pete was uh, Pete was a genuine kind of person. I mean, you could just. So I remember being on a panel when Ferguson retired. They had a big exhibition at the Nelson Atkins Museum, and um, I was I was asked to be on the panel, and Pete was on the panel. Okay. It was Peter Volkus, myself, and um, a guy at Arizona, uh, who was also a student of Ferguson's, and and Clary Iliad was the uh, moderator, and um, I was so honored just to be sitting next to Pete. At a panel, I thought, wow, I really made it. Maybe sit next to Pete Volkus. And I remember we, the museum took all the panelists around. We, you know, we had a dinner, a luncheon at the, yeah. at the museum. And, and I was with Pete going through the collection. And he looking at, there was an artisan in the collection. And he says, well, what do you think of this? You know, so I'm not a huge fan, I said, Pete. He said, me either, he says. <laughs> that was that. Oh, wow. But it's really interesting how time has changed things because, you know, Bob Arneson was really big. Yeah. I mean, I lived in the Bay Area, and uh, he was really big and selling and work. And Pete, you know, Pete was just himself. He, if he felt like making something, he made something. Yeah. If he didn't feel like making anything, he didn't make anything. Yeah. And um, he, he just knew he was great in a way. He didn't have to prove it to anybody. And when there was a Pete Volca show, the rare yeah. times there were Pete Volca shows in the Bay Area in those years that I lived there in the 70s, incredible openings. I mean, unbelievable things would show, people would show up from like everywhere yeah. for a Peter Volca's thing. Yeah. But in terms of price-wise in the marketplace, uh, Bob Arneson was, you know, the amount of money he was selling his work for compared to what Pete was selling his work was like a huge difference, but now it's all reverse. I think reversing itself. Yeah. I don't think uh, Arneson. When I, even when I show students uh, Arneson's work and those guys around Arneson, they just don't react. It's yeah. That work is like it's funny. And the first time I saw it, I kind of really liked it, but it does seem to just it's strike really one dated. Note and yeah. Well, it also was a very short. It was a very short. They had a very short, funk in, in was retrospect, so short had, that there was no really? like legacy to funk. It yeah, was just sort of yeah. that was it in a couple of years. And then I mean, that's how the over. work feels. So that makes I think sense. In this, it, yeah. I There's think, no like. I think the funk thing really lasted of, in terms of a, of a critical kind of deal, like up till about 1980. Okay. You think? Yeah, almost up till 19. Even though you'd start seeing, you'd still see shows like that in the 80s yeah but i think it's real dynamic force was really like in the 
Yeah. Early late sixties, early seventies was yeah. when it really hit. Uh, and I mean, it affected us up in, in Seattle. I mean, we were, you know, we were definitely in that family, but we were the, more of the Howard Kotler version of. Yeah. So how did Howard Kotler change your work? So uh, I should tell the story first of how Howard, I, have, I decided to go to Seattle and I, I, I got in. And so the very first ceramic convention, the, 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 the NSICA. Wait, you was went to Kansas NCCA City number one? Yeah, the first, <laughs> the first so one was Kansas City. My job was to drive all these guys around, to pick them up at the airport. Oh, that's awesome. Pick Daniel Rhodes. And yeah. <laughs> wow. Ted Turner. You know. Not Ted, I mean, uh, uh, Ted Randall. <laughs> Ted Randall and, you know, anyway, so, uh, and Howard came. So um, there was an opening for... Um, uh, a potter at this little gallery in Kansas City, and of course everybody. And Seek was only like three hundred people, I think, at the time. Yeah. And um, we all showed up. And Howard, uh, Ken Ferguson's like about six feet tall, six feet something. Okay. And Howard's about five seven. Okay. So and he's got his motorcycle jacket and his mustache. It's the crazy hat he had. And yeah. so how, apparently Ferguson went up to Howard. I went up to Howard, and he said to Howard Kotler, he said. Uh, uh, Howard, tell me about your ceramic program at the University of Washington. And uh, Howard said, well, Mr. Ferguson, I should tell you straight off that we're not going to show any favoritism. So if you decide to apply, you're going to have to be considered <laughs> <laughs> along with all the rest. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> so they're all... That, that's a typical kind of Howard Kotler. Were they like, were they buddies at all? Or was no, it just like then, they were just then one Ferguson up and one another? Ferguson was furious. Yeah. He was furious. And I was out back hanging out with uh, Fred Bauer. Yeah. And he came out back and he said, Tepper, I need to talk to you. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. And he says, says, you want to go study with this man? This man is insane. You know what he said to me? <laughs> <laughs> and then he repeats the story. And I thought, oh, this is really great. You were so like, that made off. you want to go there more? Yeah, exactly. He was just exactly off doing his did. own thing. He didn't, he didn't care. He wasn't trying to like impress the ceramic elites at the time. or Howard, never, Howard was just Howard. And sometimes <laughs> Howard didn't even remember he said something. <laughs> You'd say, Howard, you know what you just said to that person? He'd say, no, what did I just say? <laughs> you tell him, then he said, really? I said that? <laughs> no, Howard was out there. He was really out there. And anyway, Howard had a kind of a... Uh, so when I was at getting to John Gill, Yeah. so I was at the University of Washington as a graduate student, and I was a, I was a TA. Yeah. And I was like the worst TA they ever had in their entire yeah. history. <laughs> Because I, I thought the money should just be free since mm -hmm. I knew more than everybody else. Yeah. Which is, was true. Other than Fred Bauer, I knew. The, Fred Bauer had built the kilns. Okay. And the kilns um, had this damper system that uh, Solner had come up with, a passive damper. Nobody knew how to use it. But, oh. but Fred had embraced. <laughs> I still don't know. How to use it. I'm like, yeah. did Solner even know how to use so, it? So, so, so <laughs> but Fred knew. Fred knew, and, and Fred built. They built the Fred built the kilns, but they weren't all piped. They all like only two kilns were running. Okay. And uh, they had already put in. A, at, this is the university level. How long things take to get done? Yeah. They had put a requisition about a year before I get there to have all the kilns uh, plumbed. So they brought all the pipes. All of a sudden, the pipe showed up when I got to school, and uh, the plumber showed up. And everybody's uh, Fred Bauer's really happy that the plumber's there, and they're going to hook up the kilns. And Howard comes out, and Howard says uh, to the plumber, "What are you going to do? How do you hook? The, how do you, what do you do with these pipes?" <laughs> yeah. And the plumber says, "Well, uh, I'm going to join them together." Well, how do you join them together? And the plumber says, "You put the male pipe to the female pipe, and you screw it on." Wait, what did you say? And then the guy says, you put the male part to the female part, you screw it up. Howard, no, no, that's not how we're going to do it here. And then Howard, you know, Howard was gay, and Howard said, well, we put the male part to the male part. <laughs> He's telling the plumber. Then the plumber left. <laughs> and everybody who's been waiting for those kilns was going, Howard, how can you have fucked us up like that? <laughs> you know, and Fred was not going crazy, but eventually they got him hooked up. And they had 12 pounds of gas pressure. I thought, God, 
got 12 pounds of gas pressure. Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm used to like three ounces. So I was the only, so Fred showed me how to throw, do the, I learned how to fire the kilns from Fred. Yeah. And those kilns. And then Fred left. And they're already kind of, Howard was already kind of disgusted how horrible a TA I was. Yeah. Because I was supposed to make the clay and load the kilns and. Right. And everything's just gas kilns, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we had all these electric kilns that Howard fired his plates in. Okay. But um, it was like, and so they, they would have they loved to got rid of me. Yeah. But they, uh, from that job, but they couldn't because nobody knew how to fire the kiln. <laughs> That's good. That's it's job good to be security. in that position. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, 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 I was, so when, how, when uh, so the second year of graduate school, Howard was on sabbatical. Okay. And Fred had left and was getting divorced from Patty Warshina. Okay. So Patty came, and, and Bob Sperry, who was the previous, he was a tenured faculty, now teaching filmmaking. He had taught Fred Bauer, and he had taught Patty Warshina. And uh, he was a pretty well-known potter. And, yeah. And uh, so he had to come back. They needed a full professor to be in the department. Yeah. So all of a sudden, I, I'm encountering a Sperry, and uh, Patty, who Patty, who I already knew, was hanging out with, and we were good friends. And I showed her underglazes and stuff like that. Yeah. That this old lady from Kansas City showed me. <laughs> and uh, uh, Sperry decided that uh, he started having an affair with Patty, and which I didn't know anything about. But he he um, he had split up with his wife and got an apartment and was starting to work in Howard's studio making pots for his Christmas sale. Okay. And he was not actually that good a potter. I mean, he, he could make things, but he trimmed them. Yeah. Everything was all trimmed. And he's a great decorator. Yeah. Uh, Bob Sperry was a fantastic decorator. Yeah. So he firing the school's kiln. And uh, I come in one night and the kiln's going and he says to me, I said, well, how's it going, Bob? And he says, well, kiln's uh, cone 10 is melting at the top and I can't get seven to drop at the bottom. <laughs> So, uh, and, and he's got about six pounds of gas pressure going in the kiln. I said, well, if you need any help, just come in the city. I'll be glad to help you out. Yeah. No, I don't need any help. I could get this thing. I know how to fire this kiln. Great. Good. So second day. The kiln took about 12 hours to fire, but now we're in our the second 24 hours. <laughs> nice. That's, this is still such a thing in ceramics. Like, I remember I, I didn't know how to brick a door up, and I was just trying to brick it. I had never done it before. And I just kept being like, no, I know, I know what I'm doing. I, yeah, it's fine. No, I know. And it took, an, eventually my friend Lydia like walked past and she was like, come on, guys. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. So, so uh, spare the second day. Now the kiln room is starting to get black smoke. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and, and the kiln hasn't moved temperature wise. Yeah. I see. I see. Uh, and Sperry just. And I say, well, Bob, if you need help, I'd be glad to help you. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, no, no, I got it. I said, okay, cool, man. You, it's like it's like getting toxic in here. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I'm in my, I just worked in my studio. And then the third day, day number three, the kiln's still going. The room has now got black clouds. Oh and they're walking through the kiln room. The kiln room was in the middle of the building. It was a big hot time. And you had to walk through there to, yeah. to get to your studio. And it was like just this black cloud and smelled bad and you just knew you're losing your oxygen. And <laughs> so he knocks on my door in my studio and he says, uh, okay, you, you see what you can do. So I go into the kiln room and the first thing I did is turn all the gas pressure down to a quarter pound. And then I uh, just moved the damper and all of a sudden cone seven at the bottom dropped, cone eight was dropping, <laughs> cone nine was wet. Cone 10 was dropping at the top. Just wanted to go there so bad. <laughs> right. And in about 45 minutes, I had the kiln fired off. Nice. And then, it, which pissed him off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did not make a friend out of Bob Sperry out of that deal. Yeah. <laughs> and even though I had been offering him for three days, he, you know, he was kind of, well, he thanked me, of course, but he wasn't like thrilled. Yeah. And then I, then I, I nailed my friendship my not friendship with Bob Sperry on like the very next day or two days later, he had a throwing class and I happened to be walking through because I had to bring clay and stuff. And he was showing him how to trim on a, uh, trim a pot on a, on a chuck. Yeah. 
And he says, this is a very difficult thing to center on a chuck. Uh, very few people can do it. And I hear that, and I say, well, Bob, I know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you don't know how to do he that. He must have loved you. I, I didn't realize, I thought I was, I was so naive and stupid. <laughs> I thought that I was actually doing everybody a favor, but I was actually pissing them off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and he uh, said, well, come here, you think you know it? Show us. So I sit down at the wheel, and I kick the pot in center. Yeah. And he says, oh, that was, you got was luck. Do it again. So I do it again. It keeps making me do it over and over again. I keep putting in center. Finally, I say, look, I stop looking at the wheel. I'm t explaining to the students how you do it. That's a difficult force of the wheel, blah, 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 blah. And then, uh, then he goes, uh, then I do it. And I think, okay, I showed him how to do it. And then that was it. Yeah. I, I was like. The end of it. Yeah. No more. Hate him. Yeah. No more, no more martinis at lunch with Bob Sperry. <laughs> um, I think we, what we learned is we just got to do another one with yeah, you. Yeah, we have to oh, have you Part back. two? Yeah. 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 So, um, so I was lucky to see a lot of people. Like, in a way, my whole thing was sort of accidental. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I ran into, uh, in high school, got to the, found out what I wanted to do as a senior, and yeah. Then I got an old girlfriend from high school who turned me on to Kansas City, and I was able to, you know, work with Ferguson, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, we became really good friends, and, and, uh, then, uh, and then Howard, and, and I was really glad to work. I preferred Howard to Bob, Spir to Bob uh, Arneson, and, uh, yeah. you know, and plus it was much as exotic town in those years. This was before. Microsoft and all that was really great during the Vietnam years. Yeah, that was and it was wild because the police would there'd be army there'd be uh, MPs and uh, uh, Navy police or, and it was uh, all those sailors and soldiers either coming back or going to Vietnam or yeah. going That's through. Crazy and it was wall intense. downtown at night would be like wall to wall prostitutes and it was like it was a wild town. Yeah, you know, exotic and Boeing was had horrible business. They were in a recession, so it was a perfect time to be an artist there. Yeah, that was a. Uh, my dad grew up there and like worked at a parking garage and was just sort of then became a carpenter eventually. But that's the way he talks about Seattle is like it might as well be in a. It's a different country. Yeah, it's a totally it's yeah. a country onto itself. Nobody cared yeah. about Seattle. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for hanging out with us. Well, thanks for this having was the me. best. It was the best time. Yeah, and it's I always had a good great time to see you. going down memory lane. We'll set aside more time next time. <laughs> yeah, too. This who knew? Blast, yeah. I didn't even know we would. Yeah. Yeah. We're back. Um, with from our interview with Irv Tepper, he is a blast. And Ben's still here. Ben's still here, even though Ben doesn't have no idea and didn't hear it yet. I haven't heard it yet. You're going to really are enjoy you, it. I got really Are you going to listen to it? I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to skip all of my parts. Gonna, Good. Good. Maybe like one of those those weirdos who listen to podcasts on like triple speed. I'm oh just yeah. Gonna that through my entire spot my entire like spot on the podcast so I sound like a a chipmunk. We'll hook you up. Yeah, we can oh, yeah. probably do something like that. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Irv. Thanks to Ben. Thanks. To uh, follow us on Instagram at the Ceramics Podcast. Follow Ben on Instagram at... I mean, Ben Sikirsky. Um <laughs> <laughs> We'll put a link. Don't worry. If you, want to sp if you want to try to spell it, it's B E N. Sikirsky. S-I-E-K-I-E-R-S-K-I. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, -E -E <laughs> yeah, or, or they could just go to the lake. Or you um, can just, yeah. There's only one of us. I mean, if you go to the other one, he's a really bad baseball player. Um, nice. What? There's another one? Yeah, there's only another one. He blocked me on Twitter because I, in, in college, I tweeted at him saying, this website ain't big enough for the two of us. <laughs> and he was in middle school. Um, <laughs> And then I recently, <laughs> I recently uh, made another Twitter. I mean, recently, like two years ago, I made another Twitter called Ben Sikirsky Official. And I, just <laughs> to, I just used it to bully Elon Musk. And I think I'm shadow banned now. But I, I got into a fight with my old Twitter. <laughs> and I tried to get him to weigh in on the fight. 
But then he just I, he didn't block me on Ben Sikirsky official, but he might he's, as not, well. he's not interested. <laughs> might as well have. <laughs> it's kind of you know it's rough. It's hard out there. Yeah. Well, I can tell when he he or someone he knows looks on my website <laughs> because it'll pop up in his hometown of 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 Wisconsin. I think it's like Mukawango, Mukongo. I don't. It was a really hard name to say. <laughs> Wisconsin. Um, yeah, and then if you search my name, uh, you either can just search Ben Sikirsky, or if you want to find him, it'll pop up Ben Sikirsky Baseball. So wait, you're not the baseball player? That's what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, I'm not the baseball player. Okay, okay, the other Ben Sikirsky. <laughs> the other Ben Sikirsky. Um, go follow him on Twitter. I think he's a good follow. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh. oh man! Really hurt by it. Really also, hurt. well, if you want to, if you want to see more about Herb Tepper, you can go to Herb Tepper's website, herbtepper.com, and we'll put a link in the notes. And um, we're so happy! Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Merry Festivus. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go eat a bunch of pasta. I just ate a bunch of pasta and I'm going to go eat a bunch more pasta. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, guys got to leave my little brother yelling. Yeah. We're going to get to eat today. <laughs> Wait, is that what he yelled? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good.